this morning or what's the day? Uh, is Anzac Day and we remember those that have served, those that have sacrificed their lives uh, so that we could experience freedom. And, uh, and so we remember that today. We had a service this morning, which was really quite uh, powerful. Uh, but we're gonna do a little bit of that tonight as we just reflect and share together. Uh, but there's a couple in our church, Billy and Joey, and Billy serves, currently serves, and uh, we interviewed them. And uh, I'd love to show that video to you now. So uh, we're gonna play that video Video, and then we're going to do a bit of a uh, interview uh, with uh, one of our uh, one of our guys that served in war as well, and he was here this morning too. So we're going to go to that video now. That'd be great. Joining the military in the first place was being able to serve and give back. I don't think you, you join the ADF not to give. So my role uh, in the military, like generally, is I'm an uh, army officer, and particularly uh, an officer in the Royal Australian Infantry. Uh, I've had many roles in that time. Um, currently, I'm a captain at Defence Force Recruiting and I'm the senior careers coach there. Um, it's the highlight probably of my career is deploying to Afghanistan for nine months in 2019. I guess for me personally, the most challenging times and um, it would be two and it would all relate back to family situations. Um, for me, when I went to Afghanistan, I came home without my father. He died while I was over there. That was pretty tough. Um, that was certainly one of the most challenging. The other is um, being away from Joey and um, Andy and Matilda. I was fortunate to be present for both the girls' births, um, but then the next six to nine months for both of them, I, uh, I missed that first baby stage. So I've actually never experienced the, the baby baby stage really. <laughs> um, but wondering, you know, if Joey's okay, the girls are okay, are they safe at home? There's a lot of times where we don't have communication and, and um, you know, I certainly pray um, regularly that they're, they're fine. In Hebrews it says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. And that was something that I've leaned on in the last couple of years a lot, that um, life in general can change a lot, but to have God, who I know that is always going to be the same, he's always going to be there. Um, whereas my emotions change from day to day and trying to have enough strength as well for my children, um, that was something that I heavily relied on. A benefit of um, this army lifestyle is the moments of peace that I've been able to experience from God that I don't think I would have had the opportunity to otherwise. Um, a lot of the wives talk about um, the possibility of something happening to the boys when they do go overseas. I remember sitting down one morning and having a coffee and reading my Bible and it was starting to sort of build up on me that, you know, I might have to one day be just a single mother to our children if something happened. And I remember God just giving me this piece of saying, um, you know, you need to just give this to me and leave his life with me and know that you're going to be okay and not um, to stress about any of that. So that was a, a piece that you can only get from God. And that's something that I really feel God sustained throughout the deployment, that peace of knowing that if you abide in me, that I'm gonna look after your husband and that everything will be all right. And I feel like my walk with God is strengthened over the times that are more difficult, yeah. When Billy was in Afghanistan, um, 2019, we used to send him one of these every Monday. Um, so you can send them for free, it's this same size box for all the defence and you fill them up with little care packages. So this was his Christmas one and the girls would fill them up with Tim Tams and Doritos and... Yeah, I think for me the, the best part though, if you look at it, the girls would decorate the insides of them. So sometimes they'd draw, you know, write messages or um, just draw butterflies and that's what girls do. <laughs> Anzac Day uh, means to me being a part of that uh, history um, that I guess has created the Australia we know today and 
the culture that we have. Um, you, you look at the Anzacs um, and the, the, the characters that we, um, we see in our military history, you know, and um, that relationship as well with the New Zealanders is very similar in that respect. I suppose at an Anzac service, my heart's really with the families and the wives. Not only what they go through when they have a serving member, but they've also lost their partners after all of that and having to go on and having to, um, yeah, just live without having a father and a husband and a son. And mm. So that's something that I'm very thankful for on Anzac Day and very reflective of is what the wives and the mothers and the rest of the families left behind have gone through. Yeah. and to be thankful for that because they give a lot as well. Why don't we just honour, give a hand to our servicemen and women. Now, I just want to uh, mention too, throughout the week, we uh, spoke about uh, John Roxburgh was going to come out and share with us tonight and do a bit of an interview with John. And he was a commando uh, in the army for many years. And I, I chatted to him uh, yesterday. And uh, as we shared a little bit and talked together, uh, it, it brought up a lot of stuff for him. And uh, he served for, I think, 16 years and was deployed to Iraq and Afghanistan. And uh, as he just shared, it was, you could tell it was still so raw, it just brought out so much emotion for him. And uh, he sent a text this morning just saying, David, I, I'm so sorry. He had a terrible night's sleep last night, dawn service this morning. And he said, I, it, just, it just brought up all this stuff for me. And he said, I'm so sorry, I just can't, I can't share again uh, tonight. And uh, obviously, and I know you understand this and respect this, but I said, John, we wanna honor that and, and uh, prioritize your, your health and your mental health. And, uh, and so, and I said, we'd be praying for him as well. So, uh, I, you know, we do wanna pray for John and it would be appreciative too, if you could think of John and pray for him as uh, it was just so emotional, so difficult for him. And uh, we wanna honor him. So I apologize to those that maybe came out tonight to specifically hear from John, but I know you respect that as well. Uh, but this morning we had uh, David Ward here and uh, Neville who served at Vietnam. And I thought we still wanna do a little bit of an interview tonight. And uh, we're gonna hear from God's word in just a moment from Pastor Andrew. But I would appreciate if you just welcome Neville now. Uh, that'd be amazing as he comes to share a little bit. Well, thanks, Neville, uh, for coming and just sharing uh, briefly with us tonight and uh, at pretty late notice too. <laughs> um, but, um, mate, just you, you served in Vietnam. Just, just tell us a little bit about that, how that came about for you. That'd be great. Sure. Well, um, uh, I, I was a national serviceman, so um, it, it's a little bit different than volunteering for the army. You, you get plucked out of society and all of a sudden you get put into this strange organisation called the, the military and it, it, it's, a big, it's a big change, but uh, in, in the 60s, um, uh, we were called up for two years. So that was two years of training. You did a basic training course at, for Queensland boys. It was down at Singleton. You were called up at age 20, and uh, you went to Singleton in New South Wales, where there's a large military camp, and did what was called your basic training. And then you selected a corps that you went in, where to go in, and the army graciously gave you three choices. And um, the rumour around was that you never volunteered for the infantry because you'd get it anyhow. So you didn't write down infantry. So I thought about it and I, I, I put down the Royal Australian Signal Corps, then I put down the Armoured Corps, and uh, um, I just forget what the other one was. It could have been artillery, but someone said, don't go to artillery because they're too much spit and polish, and they were based at North Head in Sydney. And so I uh, fortunately got the first of my choices and I got sent down to Balcombe uh, uh, on the Mornington Peninsula in Victoria where the Army School of Signals was. And just to put that into perspective, that was in the year that Harold, Hot, Hot, Harold Holt drowned uh, at Cheviot Beach on the Mornington Peninsula. So a lot of the boys that were at the School of Signals went down to search for, for Harold. Um, you were a pretty young guy. Uh, what, what sort of emotions were you feeling when you got called up to, to go and serve? And well, a great, deal of, a, a, a great deal of uncertainty about what this was that was going to happen because, as I said, you're ripped out of the, out of the normality of life and all of a sudden put in. And so, um, for argument's sake, I'd never ever been on an aeroplane and, 
until then and all of a sudden you put on an aeroplane with a lot of other ner nervous fellows the same age and everybody is feeding off each other's bravado trying to trying to act brave but inside uh, very very nervous and uh, and so um, uh, uh, it was uh, it was an uncertain time uh, not sure just what it was that that, that we were going to be called to do and, and and no conception about military life or what 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 that was going to going to mean mm. You trained for 12 months, you were trained. That's right. Uh, then you get flown into Vietnam. Uh, can you just tell us what that was like? Give us a picture, I suppose, just going in. Well, it was a polit politically sensitive time. Uh, um, it, the, the Australian Army flew, they sent the infantry battalions by ship, by na naval ship, they sent everybody else by plane. So you flew out of Sydney at about 11 o'clock at night and uh, in, in uniform. So for our, the first landing point was Darwin and you got there about two in the morning, I think it was, and you weren't allowed to go anywhere other than stand on the tarmac because of the sensitivities. You weren't allowed to go into the terminal. And then we flew to Singapore, same thing applied, and then into Vietnam. And I, I suppose um, uh, in Vietnam, the first thing that, um, the first thing that hits you as a, as a young fellow is that this place smells different than the place I used to know, you know, it just, it was just, it was different. And so, and then just um, at the airbase in what was then called Saigon, which was the capital of South Vietnam, um, you were then delegated to where you would first serve within the Australian. Australia had three bases in South Vietnam. It, it had a place called Vung Tau, which was a, an old French resort, really, for, for the French when they when they were colonised Vietnam. Uh, it was down on the coast. Then there was the infantry uh, base at a place called Nui Dap, which was a uh, uh, in in a rubber plantation. And then there was Saigon itself, where military headquarters were. And then there was one other. Uh, the, the air force were in Vietnam as well, but they were in a. a, a, a a place halfway up, or a lot, lot further up north than, than, the, than the army, at a place called Phan Rang. And the uh, only reason I mentioned that was that I, I was probably the only, if I, and maybe not the only, but I probably one of the only people that had the opportunity to serve with the Air Force, even though I was a, 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 an army recruit. <laughs> Just tell us a little bit about what your role was and what you were doing while you were there. Yes. Well, well <clears throat> um, Army Signals is a... Uh, highly sensitive area. It's um, you have to you, you have to uh, swear under the Official Secrets Act to work there. We we dealt with very top secret information, so e everything that ever went on came via uh, our ours, ours through the Army signals, and that that gave you a broad idea of what war is all about because it it, it involved things as sensitive as at a personal level as sensitive as the issues that go on between people that are serving and the life back in Australia and all the information that comes via the military padres, uh, all that came through signals, all was coded and had to be, or had to either be coded or decoded and depending on what, and then of course, any operations that were going on, any, any actions that were taking place. We also, um, we also were in charge of all, all mail, all phone calls, we monitored all phone calls of military in Vietnam. So, in other words, that was that was an important area because you had to people can give away your position simply by the fact that you might be a, a radio operator and you, you might have a particular speech impediment. And our role was to certainly break in on those sort of phone calls and, and tell them, hey, just watch what you're saying. Uh, we monitored that. We even had that uh, at a very, very low level. We even monitored the ABC, believe it or not. We had a role to tell the ABC how well they were being heard in South Vietnam. So, um, it, uh, so there, it was a, it was a multifaceted uh, um, part of the army, and and um, but highly secretive as far as the, the the sensitivities of of messaging that went on. You're a person of faith, and yes. and you come here, you attend the church here. Um, were you a Christian? at that time in your life when you were sent off? I was brought up in a Christian home and um, I, um, I, uh, I, we, we, we lived in a small town. There was no Baptist church, so we were Methodists. <laughs> but my, my, mother, uh, 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 my, my mother was a, a fine Christian woman and uh, she, uh, she 
we, we, we never missed a day of Sunday school or church, but uh, church became a, um, uh, I mean, I knew about God, I knew about Jesus, I knew all the, I, I guess it was religion in my head and not in my heart. And um, uh, so uh, it, uh, 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 I, I, I guess I would have called myself a Christian then, but of course God's moved me on uh, uh, from, from those days. But I, I was sent off to Vietnam with a Bible my mother gave me. And, uh, and uh, so, uh, but it's, um, uh, when, you're, when you're with a, uh, when, when you move into an organisation like the army where, where you're living in a hut and, 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 uh, and you're with a 30 or 40 other men in a hut, um, Christianity, if you haven't got a, a solid faith in the Lord Jesus, then you, you, you tend to keep it fairly close to your chest that you've got any, any Christian connection at all you know so I, I guess nominally I was a Christian yeah. were there times when you were um, you know when you were there that you kind of saw maybe God's hand at work or well there were good things that were being done Australian fortunately we can be proud I think of the Australian military because I think there are good things that are being done all the time and 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 while I was in Vietnam, I mean, we supported a, a local orphanage. I, when, when I was based at Vung Tau, there was a local orphanage being supported by, by, by the camp, and that, that sort of practical, practical helps. And there were, um, there were a small Christian mission in the town that you could go down to and meet with uh, American, uh, mostly American missionaries that were there. I mean, I'm not, talking, I'm not talking 20 or 30 people there. I'm talking just three or four, you know, and just a handful, but... Um, and of course, the, in the, in all the camps, there's a, a, a there's always a padre. There's a church. There was a church uh, that the military built in inside the camp at at Vung Tau where I was there, and, and also up at uh, Nui Dat. There was a place where you could worship. Um, but uh, yeah, so. obviously, war has a tremendous impact on people's lives, and uh, I'm sure you've felt uh, that and experienced that. Do you think knowing Christ, knowing God? Uh, has been quite helpful for you at, at, at navigating that, you know, post-war? Uh, certainly. Well, when, 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 when you have a... When, when you're backed up by someone who, uh, someone who loves you and is praying for you, as, as indeed my family were, you don't... You, 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 and, and then you look back, you can see that the hand of God, His goodness and His mercy following you in, in dangerous situations, but uh, like all Christians, it's it's we walk with Him and we grow and and um, we 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 learn to mature in Him. I, I think um, one of the one of my, my the verses I have in my wallet that I, I carry around is from Philippians chapter three, which says where Paul was speaking and he said, "My my determined purpose is to know Him." To know the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, and and I guess Christian maturity is as we we we, we get to know the Lord Jesus, and and he 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 takes charge of of everything we do and think and say. Mm. Imagine there's a lot of suffering and war and stuff, and and uh, yes, yeah, there is. Do, do you? I suppose I'm just wondering: does 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 God help in regards to the healing of that. Do you know what I mean? Like, Well, I can only speak in my case, and of course, yes, he does. He, he, he heals. Um, he said he'd come to heal the brokenhearted. And one of, one of the things war does is it breaks hearts. Um, one of the things that I noticed mostly in Vietnam was that um, you, get a, you get an army the size of the, the American army, and that's an eye-opener if you've never witnessed it, um, but... America had 2.7 million men in Vietnam at, at, across the Vietnam War. It went from 62 to 72. And at any given time, a half a million men, all about 20 years of age. So testosterone levels were, were, were high. Uh, drugs were high. Alcohol was high. Uh, and and, and, uh, and, and what, what, you, what you find is that tears away at the fabric of a society. And, and so Vietnam was slowly being... A country that was being raped from the inside, from 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 simply having a a, a a military presence there, it was it was being torn apart in every fabric of its society. So, the the fact that they were also fighting a war and that they were being uh, uh, 
they're in a heavy war with North Vietnam. That, that was just the, the stuff that movies have made of, but the, the, the thing that happens to men and women who serve is that they're torn away from their families. As the fellow on the video just said, I mean, we saw in Army Signals that, that people back home here in Australia were suffering because of loved ones in Vietnam and, 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 and likewise, in, in, I've seen men in, 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 the, in the huts at night tears in their eyes just thinking about families I've seen others that, that, that are breaking hearts back here in Australia and we saw all of that because of the sensitivities that, that you see coming backwards and forwards from padres and, and, and people are, so families are, families are breaking up even families thousands of miles away are breaking up because of the impact of, a, of, a, of, of war and, and of course the Vietnamese society, one of the things that hit me straight away was the, was the, having come out of a country like Australia was the lack of respect for human life. Um, you see it at every level, young, young children that are, are peddling all sorts of bad things. Uh, not worth speaking about now, but society just breaks down. And, uh, and so not all the damage is done by the enemy, sometimes a lot of the damage is being done by, um, uh, by a, a, an army that's just in occupation. Yeah. Just finally, there was a, when you went to war, your mother gave you, and we just only just chatted about that before, and your mother gave you a bit of a uh, piece of paper, which you literally carried with you and you still have today. Yeah, I do, yeah, yeah. It just um, a, looks a bit war-torn, doesn't it? It's a, it, was, it was just a thing in my, uh, pardon the pun, uh, uh, <laughs> the... the uh, it looks a bit war-torn and I haven't brought my glasses, I'm sorry, but basically the poem is, is, a, is, is out of a, a daily bread that she um, pasted inside my Bible and it basically just tells me that um, uh, she can't go. Sorry. Uh, she can't go where I was going, but God could. I can't read it because it, it brings back too many memories. But, but in other words, it's, I, I guess the value in it is to know that I, I had a praying mother and father. And, uh, and although I might not have been conscious of that uh, a lot of the time because of the, uh, the busyness of, and, 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 and the excitement sometimes of war, uh, I mean, when you're 20 years of age or 21 years of age, you think you're bulletproof um, and... Uh, and uh, and, uh, and that, but uh, the the uh, yeah the 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 idea that you know you support you support your loved ones and we should love everybody. Support them in prayer. God God works through prayer, and, mm. and he certainly did. Uh, from I came home safely. And I, I just to digress a little bit. I mean I, I mentioned I'd worked for the air force, so I even flew. Australia had some. You mightn't mightn't remember them, but they were Canberra bombers and Australia had a successful squadron of Canberra bombers in, in Vietnam and they even managed to go on a bombing mission and drop bombs on some, some people down in the Mekong Delta. And, and, and the thing that struck me about that was that here I am in, uh, um, in, involved in dropping bombs on, a, on, on people I don't know, I've never seen, uh, I don't know what damage was done. Uh, so, and, and I, I think as the, you hear from some of the blokes that are in, in, in more modern wars, uh, that uh, war, you can, you can kill people at a distance and not somehow be impacted, but you can't stop the impact of what war does in the human heart. And so we're seeing a great rise of things like PTSD and think people who can't handle um, the scarring that it does. And it's not just the scarring of saying I've shot someone, but it's the scarring that uh, it does to the moral fabric of, 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 of where you are and also even your loved ones back home. Yeah. There's something significant. You said, you know, that, the power, that little thing that you had there um, and you said just the power and the significance of a praying mother and praying father. But I think what I got out of that as well, also the significance of a God who never leaves you nor forsakes you as well. I think it's very powerful, yeah. yeah one, 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 of the, one, of, one of the things that um, I often queried over was the, uh, the, 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 the cry of Jesus from the cross when, when he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That was a, a question that he asked. And, 
And I realised that uh, it was he, he forsook you, Jesus, because he wouldn't forsake me. And of course, we remember the promises: I will, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Uh, I won't forsake you because I forsook my son. Mm. Yeah, I'd love to pray for you as we thanks, um, yeah thanks. pray for you, Neville, thanks, and then you. hear from God's word. Yeah. Father, we, uh, we, we thank you for Neville and it's people like Neville that have uh, served bravely uh, so that we could experience freedom now. And uh, we thank you for him, great God. Thank you for the journey that you've taken him on. Thank you for his praying mother and father. And thank you for the fact that you are a God who never leaves us nor forsakes us, great God. The ultimate sacrifice that was made through Christ's death and resurrection on the cross so that we could experience true freedom and that there is hope and that one day there will be no war. There will be no more pain, no more suffering, no more heartache. And that is the hope that we have, great God. And so we reflect upon that uh, tonight also. We love you, Lord. We worship you and we thank you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Can we just give a hand to Neville and uh, Andrew as he comes up now to preach? That'd be great. Thank you, uh, Neville, and uh, it is great to share with you um, on Anzac Day, but um, quite impacting. I don't know about you, but today I've heard from Neville, I hear from Billy, and even uh, a little bit from John, uh, the impact war has had on these ones that have served us so well. And I don't know about you, but I am so, so thankful for those that have paid a cost for our freedom. Is that true? Um, could we just put our hands together for Neville and those that have served us. And as we reflect today on Anzac Day, one thing that's clear in our mind is when, when war has happened, it is, is often the cause of setting people free. Uh, I was reading a little bit about World War II and all that was happening in Germany, uh, people being uh, oppressed and then obviously all the way to the Holocaust and there was a need to set people free. Uh, I read uh, just this week about World War II and it's been described as one of the most epic struggles for freedom and liberty in history. And this evening, as we share around God's Word on Anzac Day, I want to share on the topic of freedom. Um, because, you know, Jesus came to set people free. Uh, in, in Luke 4, 18, he speaks of his own life, his own mission. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, to recover sight for the blind and to set the oppressed free. That is Jesus' mission, to set people free. It is incredible who Jesus is, but it's incredible what he has done and what he is doing, in fact, even this day. And I wanna speak on this topic of freedom. And I want to say tonight, whether you're listening online or here with us tonight, that Jesus has not come to bring political freedom. It's not a political freedom that he's come to bring. He has come to bring a freedom that is a spiritual freedom and a freedom in the heart of, hearts of all people. You know, Jesus came to this earth from heaven to earth that you that you, you might be free. Did you know that? He, he wants you to be fully free. Jesus says he came to give life and to give life to the full. You are created to know him and find fullness of life in him. And today, or tonight, I wanna look at this scripture to see how Jesus has set us free. Not only that, I want to look in this passage, I want to really, I'm going to do it as quickly as I can. Look at, yes, Jesus has set us free, but I want to tell you the Scriptures speak of two things that will oppose that freedom. Now, of any freedom actually will be oppressed or there's opposition forces against that freedom. In your life and in my life, there are things that want to, or opposing forces that want to take away that freedom, that we might not experience the fullness of His freedom. 
And then finally, I wanna say there is a new way, not I wanna say, the scriptures say, there is a new way of living that we can have fullness of freedom. So let's go on this journey. Let's have a look at Galatians 5. I wanna read from that um, passage about freedom in Christ. It says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified, just just look at that word justified, we'll come back to it in a moment, justified by the law, have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness of which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision have any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. In verse 11, brothers and sisters, if I'm still preaching circumcision, why am I being persecuted? In, the, in that case, the offence of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. It's full on what he's saying here. Paul is, he's worked up. You know, he's planted this church in in Galatia and he is worried that their freedom is being lost. He said, it is for freedom that you have been set free. I want you to live the most free life that you could ever have. And I am worried that something is gonna take that freedom. And what we find in this passage is it is the law that is taking away their freedom, living according to the law. And he speaks of circumcision. And you might think, well, what's circumcision got to do with this? And it might not have much to do with our context here. Not many of you are thinking of going out and getting circumcised anytime soon. But what it is, it's the law. The Jews or the, the, the people were teaching these young Christians that to be fully free or not to, to be fully right with God, sorry, that they need to follow the law, to follow circumcision. It's not just about Jesus, but you also have to be circumcised if you wanna be right with God. It's not just Jesus' work, but it's also what you do. You, you need to follow the law. You need to do the right things. You need to tick all the right boxes and then you'll be right with God. And Paul is saying, no, 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 no. Christ has set you free, stand firm in that freedom. Do not be yoked in this slavery of trying to do lots of things, tick lots of boxes to get right with God. It is not what you will ever do. He says that it's not circumcision or uncircumcision. The important thing is, is where your faith and your trust in. If you wanna be fully free, if you wanna be fully free tonight, He's saying, if you wanna be right with God, put your trust in what Jesus has done, the fullness of what he has done and not what you will ever do. Now, let me explain this in another way. I mentioned that word justification there, being made right with God. When I first heard of this word, it was explained to me that if I was justified with God, he would then see me just as if I had never sinned. That's pretty good, that's good news, right? He would see me just as if I'd never sinned. Jesus, his sacrifice has taken away that sin. But that is only half the answer. I wanna wanna tell you the other part of what happens when you are justified through Jesus Christ. There there was a lecturer, a theological lecturer in in his class and he said to the class, put your hand up if you think you are as righteous as me. I won't do it to you today, it'll be interesting. If you think you're as righteous as me, put your hand up. And and I think quite bravely, a number of the the class um, put their hand up and said, yep, I'm as righteous as you, uh, lecturer. And then then the lecturer said to the class, he said, take your, um, sorry, keep your hand up if you think that you are as righteous as Mother Teresa. And quite a few of them put their hand down, I'm as righteous as you, lecturer, but not Mother Teresa. And then finally he said to them, keep your hand up if you think you are as righteous as Jesus. And all the hands came down. And I wanna ask you a very simple question tonight. 
Would your hand have stayed up? Do you see yourself as righteous as Jesus or would your hand be down? Because what happens in justification, it is not just that Jesus sees, God sees us as if we'd never sinned. The good news of Jesus is this great exchange that he takes our sin, but he also gives us his righteousness. That we are seen by God as righteous, fully righteous, pure, blameless, holy in the sight of God if we have our trust in Jesus. Isn't that incredible? Isn't it incredible that not only is it just if I have never sinned, but it is just as if I've always obeyed. God sees me just as if I've always obeyed. That is the best news. I mean, on my good days, He sees me pure and perfect because of Jesus. On my bad days, my worst day ever, He sees me as good as Jesus, as perfect. That is the best news. And that's why Jesus says, I've set you free from the law. I've set you free from any need to continue to do things or work to please God. It has all been finished in Jesus. I'll ask you the question, do you feel that that is the way that God sees you? Do you feel that, that God sees you and He looks at you as pure and holy and perfect? You get out of bed and think, God, praise God for this day that I am right with God, I am pure, I am forgiven, I have the righteousness of God and living in freedom out of that, that identity. Or is it the case that on our good days, when we're doing all the right things, we're reading the Bible, we're ticking all the boxes, we feel good. But on that bad day, when temptation gets the best of us, when we don't do the right thing, that we, we feel bad, we feel like we're far from God, that, that our closeness or proximity to God is purely dependent on what? What's it dependent on? In that instance, it's purely dependent on what I do do or don't do. And Paul says, if you live like that, it'll just lead you to slavery. You will never be good enough. You can never do enough to be perfect. You will always be trying to catch up. And if you can't catch up or do enough, you'll give up. He said, that's slavery. And Paul is saying, Christ has set you free. Stand firm in what he has done for you. Do not go back to trusting in your own effort. I want to say to you tonight, if your faith and your trust is in Jesus, if you've accepted Jesus, He has called you to live out of the freedom that you are a fully loved, fully accepted child of God. That is your identity. He is calling you, calling us to live out of that identity and to not fall back into trusting what I have done or haven't done. He says, that's where you'll find freedom. That is where you'll find freedom in the identity that we have in Jesus. That is the first thing that will oppose freedom in your life. This propensity to trust in what I have done or haven't done instead of putting our trust fully in Jesus. The second thing we find that will oppose that freedom is this, this um, conflict that happens within our heart. Let's have a look at it in verse 13 to 18 of this passage. It says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. There it is again. Then he says, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbour as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. He goes on to say, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other. So that you are, not, you are not to do whatever you want, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So here we say the other opposition or opposing thing to your freedom is this flesh that is within us. It is a sinful nature that we are born with. 
It's not, he's not talking about um, the flesh like bone and flesh. He is talking about our sinful nature, our selfish desires that we have always had within us, which is life is about me and what I want. Because the natural question might be, if, if Jesus has saved us and doesn't depend on anything I've done, the next question is, well, I'll just do whatever I feel like it. And Paul is saying, don't do that. Don't follow that. There is this, this nature within you, but don't do that because what that'll do is it'll lead to slavery. It won't lead to freedom. And we see that in, in Titus 3.3, it says, at one time you were foolish, you were disobedient, you were deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. And so there's this desire within us this fleshly desire and there's a conflict with the Holy Spirit that now lives within us. And Paul is saying, if you wanna be free, don't follow the ways of, this flesh, of the flesh because it will lead to greater slavery. And then he goes on to show us or to speak of the acts of the flesh. And I wanna say that if you are battling with these two natures within you, and sometimes these, this fleshly nature will lead us to think things, to do things, to act in certain ways that you might even say, am I really a Christian? Can I really think like this and act like this? This, this nature within me and there's this guilt or, you know, there's just this battle. Hopefully you, you can sense it in your own life. I certainly can in mine. This battle between a fleshly desires and desires of the Spirit. But as we look at the list of the acts of the flesh, you will see a couple of things. You'll see that often these are counterfeit, attractive things that, that entice the flesh. Sin is, sin is enticing. It's got that nature, but it's got a nature that is addictive or nature that is leading to slavery. Let's have a look at it. Paul says the acts of the flesh are obvious. That sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, then hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. That is what the flesh will be enticed by. That's the acts of that fleshly nature if we allow it to rule our life. And I wanna say that the flesh, the flesh within us wants to control us. It wants to rule us. It, wants to, it becomes powerful in our lives. And as we look at that list, sexual immorality, we live in a sexualized world and our flesh will be attracted to that. And Paul is saying, don't allow that flesh to rule in your life over your sexuality, a good thing that God has given us. Don't be fooled by the counterfeit, whether that's adultery or pornography or whatever it is. And then he goes on, idolatry. You know, the, the worshipping of other things and putting them is so much more important or powerful to, than, than God that as we chase these things, it will lead to slavery. The relational sins within here that, that affect our relationships, hate, division, strife, selfish ambition, envy, disastrous for relationships if, if it's all about us. Drunkenness. And orgies there, excess, again, a counterfeit alcohol, um, looking for a joy and a peace and a freedom outside of Christ. And, and Paul is saying, if, if we allow our fleshly desires to follow these things, it will just lead to slavery. And, and I wanna say to us tonight that this battle is real within each one of our lives. And I wanna say also two things. <laughs> Firstly is we cannot defeat the flesh in our own strength. Maybe you've tried. We can't do it in our own strength. And I wanna say the other beautiful thing about the gospel that we know is there is no condemnation in Jesus Christ. He wants us to be free. <laughs> he doesn't condemn us as a loving father. He's calling us back to say, that is not what I've got for you. I want a life of freedom for you, fullness of life. And then he comes and shows, not only says, don't follow the, the ways of the flesh, but then he gives us in this passage, the way of the spirit. Oh, this is the most beautiful uh, thing that God 
takes up residence in our life, that the same Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead lives in us and empowers us to live a godly life. It says, for freedom, it says, put to death by the Spirit, crucify the the fleshly nature and take up the nature of the Spirit that has been deposited in you. It talks about in this passage, a walk with the Spirit, walking with the Spirit. That the Holy Spirit will speak to you. He really will. He'll, he'll speak to all of us. There'll be this voice within our, our hearts or our minds to say, well, this is good for you. This is not good for you. And when we, when we follow the Spirit, when we allow the Spirit to govern our minds and our hearts, that is when we find life and freedom. When the Holy Spirit not only takes residence, but we surrender to the Holy Spirit and His work in our life, begin to obey the Holy Spirit, His power within us will produce the fruit of the Spirit. Let me just read the the fruit of the Spirit. It says, the Spirit will bring love, joy, peace, Forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And as I said earlier, we can't do it. And I want you to notice, it doesn't say the fruit of Andrew is love, joy. My fleshly nature will not produce that fruit. But the Holy Spirit within me can produce that fruit. It's the Holy Spirit's work within us. And I want to encourage us with a few things about the Holy Spirit tonight. First, it's as simple as a journey of listening and obeying that Spirit. That's, when I say it's as, as simple as that, it, that's, that can be hard because it's a surrendering to that. The first thing I want to say is, is it's gradual. Sometimes you might be discouraged that, oh God, you're not changing me. And sometimes I want, and maybe you do too, you want just to say, God, Come and zap me. Come and do something in my life that will just produce godly fruit and character in my life. And I wish it would happen that way. But the nature of fruit is that it grows over time. I grew up on a farm. We had lots of different fruit in the farm, on the orchard. And I have never once gone up to a fruit tree, whether it be a plum or an apple or an apricot tree, looked at a piece of fruit and could I see it growing? I couldn't just, oh, wow, it's growing in front of my eyes. No. Never, never, it never happened. It never was instantaneous. But there were many times that I would go and I would look at a tree and I would see that the plum might have been smaller than my fingernail. And then if I came back a month later that it was as big as a 50-cent coin, over time, fruit will develop. And I want to encourage you, the Holy Spirit is in you His fruit will come out of your life as you listen and obey over time. And maybe even now you can look back, maybe a year or two years and you can see how far God has brought you. But don't be discouraged. Just continue to be faithful, walking in the Spirit and His fruit will come out of you. Freedom will continue to grow in your life. And secondly, I wanna share about the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of of the Holy Spirit in our lives. There's a story of G. Campbell Morgan. He was a preacher in Italy and he was walking through this centuries-old graveyard. And as he walked there, he saw this tree. But at the bottom of this tree was this massive marble um, gravestone. And what had happened many, many years, maybe hundreds of years earlier, as that grave was dug and filled in, uh, a small seed, like an acorn, fell in that grave. And it was covered by this massive marble gravestone. And you would think, what power has that little acorn seed got compared to a massive rock marble gravestone? But the biological life in that small seed grew over time, so much so over the centuries that that massive oak tree grew and and broke apart that marble gravestone. And he reckoned to himself as he looked at this, if if the, the power, the biological power 
and a small acorn seed could do that, how much more can the Holy Spirit, the presence of God in my life bear fruit for, for God's kingdom? How much more powerful is God's Spirit able to change my own heart? I wanna encourage you with that tonight. If the Holy Spirit is in you, He wants to bring freedom into your life and He will do that over time. And just before I wrap up tonight, now this week I heard a story of a 14-year-old boy who had been in juvenile detention for in 24 times in his short life. He was only 14 years old. But where he was in juvenile detention, he had completely made himself at home in detention. He'd made his own clothes, he'd set up his room, and he had made his home in this detention center or in detention, in captivity. And tonight, I wonder how many of us maybe have given up even on freedom. That maybe you've been over this side and, and done religion or church and tried to tick all the boxes, but you've, you've felt no freedom in it. Like you're never good enough. It's just hard. It's full of like a weir- it's weary and full of burdens. And you feel like, I don't feel free because you've been living under that, that law. Or maybe on the other side, if you know there's this wrestle within your heart of the fleshly nature and the spirit and that fleshly nature has just felt so powerful. The more you fed it, the more you followed it, it's so powerful that you, you can't come with come outside of you can't win that battle well I tell you you can't it's only Jesus in you the Holy Spirit in you that will bring that freedom but if you've come accustomed like this young boy just accustomed to living under the oppression I want to say tonight Jesus wants to set you free and that Jesus has done it he's done it through the cross he's done it through his own death and resurrection that you can live as a fully accepted child of God, knowing sin is gone. God sees you as a righteous child of God, that you live out of that truth. Whether you've been caught in sin or you're trying to do it all through the law, you now find a new identity living in Christ as a child of God, the freedom that He will bring you. Would you pray with me? I can't share um, this good news tonight without giving an opportunity for anyone tonight, whether you're listening online or even here in the auditorium, that, that you've never ever put your faith in Jesus and you've never ever known the assurance that actually you are justified, you are right with God, fully accepted by God. If, if you don't know that tonight, I mean, I mean, maybe even if, if you thought about if you if you died tonight, tomorrow, you would not know if you are right with God, if you've been justified. Well, tonight you've heard that it is fully through the work of Jesus. He, he offers you grace. He offers you forgiveness. He offers you His own righteousness as you turn and put your faith and trust in Him. And if that's you here tonight, I just wanna pray a prayer with you. You can pray it in your own heart. You're just talking to God. And you might say in your your own heart, Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for forgiving me. I wanna confess my sin, my life of living it my way and ask that you might forgive me, that you might give me new life. Jesus, I wanna accept your gift of grace. I wanna accept you into my life in Jesus' name. And also, I just wanna pray for anyone here that you might not know that freedom. I wanna pray for all of us, actually, that we might learn to live by the Spirit and the power of the Spirit in our lives. Lord Jesus, I wanna thank you that you have come to set the captives free. Lord Jesus, I wanna pray that Lord, you would help us 
live a life where our, our minds and our hearts are governed by your spirit in your way. And that Lord God, you by your spirit would bring this fruit in our lives, you would bring power and freedom that comes from the Holy Spirit. I wanna pray, Lord God, if there's anyone here tonight that, that really knows that battle, that Lord Jesus, you would help each one of us crucify that fleshly nature, that we might take up the new nature, the new life that you've offered us in the Holy Spirit. Lord, help us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to continue to worship now. And uh, as we do that, I pray that you might find joy in that position that we have in Jesus Christ. And if anyone tonight, if you, if you want to pray with anyone, if you want to, you know, you talk to one of the pastors or maybe someone you know here, you pray with them and ask for God's help in your situation that He will lead you into greater freedom. Let's worship together. Let's stand.
that uh, this is a really important moment that, uh, you know, I, I don't know, I just, in the lead up to this, I wasn't sure what I was gonna, I was meant to be sharing tonight and uh, John was gonna share and, and I just felt that uh, the word for tonight was a, was a real surrender that, that maybe behind the scenes sometimes that we don't even mean to, but there's a facade that my life is all okay and we put this up and think it's all good, it's all good, but actually behind the scenes it's falling apart and your heart is falling apart and you don't know how to fix it, but God says, I, I wanna bring you into a place of freedom. I wanna restore you. I wanna heal your heart. And the only way that can truly happen is if we get to a place where we say, God, I need you. And I'm just convinced that maybe some of you right now are just saying, actually, I need that. I need a surrender. And so I apologise to call this again, but I just sense I have to, that in this moment, if truly you say, hey, I need a surrender. And I'm not talking for the first time. Some of you have known information and about God, but now is the moment to encounter God. And so just in this moment, I pray with eyes closed and heads bowed, would you pray with me? Because I just need to give you one more opportunity. If this is you tonight with eyes closed and heads bowed, I just want you to put your palms out in front of God and say, I need you, God. I surrender afresh to you tonight because I've put up this wall and this facade in my life that everything's okay and it's not. And God, in this moment, you see those people and you see the hearts. And we just cry out to You, a holy and righteous and powerful God. Oh God, have mercy on us. We've put up the walls, we've put up the facades, but we surrender to You afresh right now and say, Holy Spirit, come into the deepest parts of our heart. We need to experience freedom. We need to experience life. We, we can't do it on our own. We need You, great God. And so touch our hearts right now as we humble ourselves before You. Please come, Holy Spirit, touch me afresh. We just wanna experience You, great God. We humble ourselves before You. We surrender before You now. And great God, change us, change us from the inside out, from the deepest parts of our heart. We just pray and ask that You would come in power now. And so great God, thank You for those that responded. Thank You that You're a God that hears those prayers and you're faithful and you respond. We worship you now. We honour you now and we thank you for your work right now. In Jesus' Name. Amen. Let's worship this great God. Let's praise this great God. Let's give Him honour to our great God right now. You can't, you can't do this life on your own. You cannot do it. 
And so tonight, if this, this isn't the end of an opportunity to respond, but you need to come, you need to speak to somebody. It doesn't need to be a pastor, but somebody and say, hey, I, need, I need help, I need support, I need to pray together with you in this. Uh, but I pray you do that tonight, do that tomorrow. Ring someone and say, I, 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 actually, I actually need you to support me in this. Father, we thank You for the way that You lead. We thank You for the way that You guide. And we thank You for the way that You lay things on our heart and You bring things to the surface that needs healing, that needs uh, just stuff brought up. You've spoken to maybe one, I don't know, but it could be many here tonight. And I thank You for that great God. This is the work of You that only You can do. But I'm convinced that we can't do this life on our own. We need You and we need others. And also convinced that until we get to a point where this stuff behind the scenes is brought out into the light, just you can't work in the deepest parts of our hearts. The enemy comes to steal, kill and destroy and the enemy wants to keep this stuff in the darkness. But you said, hey, bring it up, bring it into the light so I can deal with it. And so we thank you, great God, that you, you can deal with it and you can bring healing and you can bring freedom that our hearts so desperately long for. This is what we desire true freedom. Your Word says you came to bring life and life to the full. And uh, without you, we can't experience that. And so we come humbly before you. Thank you for those that responded tonight, great God. Thank you for the journey you're taking them on now. And thank you for that any can come to you, any, any. We love and we worship you to great God and we honour you tonight in Jesus' mighty and precious Name. Amen, amen. Feel free to grab a seat. Like I said, uh, please speak to someone. Uh, feel free to grab prayer. We'd love to pray for you. If you responded in any way, we'd love to give you a free Bible pack if that's of help to you. Uh, but God bless you so much, whatever you're doing this week. And young ads, remember this Wednesday night, 6.15 here in A2. God bless you guys and uh, we'll see you soon.